Jess, come on up. You all may take a seat. Well, here we are, being real Canadians in the middle of a blizzard. Way to be here. Um, I just want to tell you, I, I was talking to my friend today, and she said you have to make sure you do this, so I'm being an obedient friend right now. Um, if you're into podcasts, the podcasting kind of person who listens to podcasts, um, I have a little bit of a podcast called Down to Earth Podcast that I actually do with a friend of mine that graduated from this school many eons ago. You can take pictures of them and take pictures of her on the back wall and spam her, spam her inbox all day long and tell her she looked weird. I already did it today. Her name is Joyce. Her name is Joyce Reese. It used to be Joyce Heron. You can find her in like 1990. I got to find it out, but it's on the back wall. You can find her. She looks hilarious. So anyways, we do this little podcast. Um, So she graduated from here and now pastors in the vineyard movement and we argue about a lot of things and we fight and I make fun of her for at least one hour solid in our podcast. You can around season two talking about power all this year and it's been like a fun little project, partly uh, an experiment in civility. Can we disagree about things as Christians and still be kind to one another and still be friends? And I think this is the greatest, um, one of the greatest tests in the church today. Um, I, I want to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit just for a few minutes this afternoon. And I want to um, just sort of piggyback on what Gavin was saying today. Um, start maybe by telling you my own story, how my family came to Jesus. So I'm a first-generation pastor. Um, I don't have parents or grandparents that were pastors. Uh, in fact, my parents didn't come to know the Lord until I was uh, well into grade school. And um, my mom... Um, was a teacher and my dad was a banker. He worked for Citibank. And um, so they were like, I tell you this to say they were regular Canadians. They didn't live in a weird spot. They lived in Ontario where I grew up. And um, by the time my parents were 30, no one had ever told them about the gospel. They would actually drive by churches like you go to. And my mom said that she would always ask herself, I wonder if you have to have like a membership to go there. Like, does it cost something? Like whatever. She had no clue. She'd gone to university um, like, a, like a regular Canadian, and no one had ever, neither her or my dad, no one had ever shared the gospel with them. And she said, I was always interested in the things of God, and she said, I actually did meet a Christian one time, and I asked them about it, and they got nervous and ran away from me. And she said, I was going to chase them, and then I thought, well, I don't know, that's weird. Why, why did they get nervous and run away from me? Why can't they just tell me about it? Okay, so nobody had told, my mom is, a, my mom is teaching kindergarten at the time, uh, and she, um, someone gave her a Bible though. And, um, uh, she was a voracious reader and, um, they had little kids, so they were poor. And so she said to my dad, we're going to read the Bible out loud. We're going to see what this is all about. And so they read the Bible out loud. They started in Matthew. No one told them to do this. They just thought maybe Jesus would be the best thing to start with. So they read Matthew. And then I think my dad is just going along with the experiment dutifully like I don't think he was really into it or anything uh, then they read Mark out loud they read Matthew Mark Luke John and then they started reading the book of Acts so my mom reads Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and looks over at my dad now, now okay so now listen she's never met anybody like you she's never met a Pentecostal she doesn't even know what that is she thinks that might be a cult so um, she looks over at my dad Acts chapter 2 and says I I think I have that gift. That is the gift of tongues. 
My dad looked at her and went, why would you think that? She said, I just think I do. I think if I asked God, he'd give it to me anyways. Okay, clearly my mom is a beast. But anyways, she, uh, so in that moment, they, they prayed this like very rudimentary prayer. It wasn't like flowery. It was just like, God, here we are. My mom just unabashedly said, I want that gift. It seems cool. And nothing happened. So the next day, my mom is downstairs doing laundry. We lived in a split-level kind of house. My dad is upstairs pretending to fix something. And at about, and not about, at the same time in different parts of the house, they're both filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. Now put that in your theological pipe and smoke it because like at this point, they haven't said like the magic Jesus prayer. They didn't like say the Romans 9 and 10 prayer. Like they just, they just asked for the gift of tongues. Okay, so now. They are very excited about this because my mom is like, what? Well, we had people coming over this night to our house for dinner. And my mom said she's never fed people so fast in her life. She was like, are you done? Are you done? Okay, bye, bye, leave. Because she wanted to practice this gift. Okay, a lot of you are having theological like gymnastics happening right now. So they kicked the people out of our house because they didn't know you're supposed to tell people. And they, they practice. And by practice, what it meant is like my dad would speak in tongues, my mom would speak in tongues, and my dad would sing in tongues, my mom would sing in tongues. Then they brought the babies in. So that was me. I wasn't a baby. I was like a kid. And I remember this day. I was probably about six. And, uh, and my little sister was one years old. And she came into the bedroom, and she began to speak in tongues. And all of us were baptized with the Holy Spirit. So my parents... Now, I'm telling you a true story. This happened in the 80s. I know that seems like 3,000 years ago, but it really wasn't. Um, So my parents think that they may be some of the only people on the planet that have this gift. So they did what everybody did in the 80s when you're trying to locate people with the same things you have. They put an ad in the paper. (laughs) Okay, so the ad went something like this. Are you interested in being filled with tongues? come to our house on Monday night or Tuesday night of the week. Okay, I'm not kidding. So this is how I grew up. Every Monday or Tuesday night, all kinds of people would come to my house. Now, I lived squarely in the suburbs, Milton, Ontario. I lived in Milton, Ontario. Hey, yeah, this is not a cool town, but we'll pretend it is right now. (laughs) Okay, so I lived in Milton, and every manner of person would come to my house on Monday or Tuesday night. Truckers would pull up, bikers, guys that had like been involved in drugs and gangs would come to my house and they would come and the power of God would move in my house. And I remember being a little girl and it was just completely normal for somebody to come and be like, I got a really bad diagnosis from the doctor. And my parents would be like, all right, we're going to pray because that's what it said to do in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you speak in tongues? And the people would say, no. Okay, we're going to pray for you, and God will give you that gift. He gave it to us. He'll certainly give it to you. My parents had no recollection of this idea of, like, waiting around or, like, that God wouldn't. They just had this faith that they, they and then, so then they started meeting people like you because they realized, oh, there's churches that have had the same experience. There are, like, people out there. And they were totally baffled by the fact that people would be like, and um, like, 
God has never moved in my life. Well, they didn't have this experience at all. They, they actually, before they found God, he was moving in their life. So my whole life was predicated on this idea that God, when we ask him, answers us. And this isn't some story or fairy tale or like somebody that lives far away. These are my parents who are very regular people who saw the Lord move in extraordinary ways in their life. And uh, I think it's colored how I've read the scriptures my whole life. So I, I want us uh, for a minute, I have a bunch of scriptures and then we're going to, but if, can you just turn to the first Corinthians scripture? Yeah, we'll go, we'll come back to those in a second. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. We're going to go to the first Corinthians. I want to read this whole scripture. It says first Corinthians 14, one to 19, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in an unknown tongue doesn't speak to men, but to God for no one understands him. Although in the spirit, he speaks mysteries, but he who prophesies speaks to men for their edification, exhortation, and comfort. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I desire that you all speak in tongues, but even more that you prophesy. For greater is he who prophesies than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edification. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you? Unless I speak to you by revelation or knowledge or prophesying or doctrine, even when things without life give sound, whether flute or harp, how will it be known what is played unless they give a distinction in those sounds? If the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare him to do battle? So also you, unless with your tongue you speak words easy to understand, how will it be known? What is spoken? For you shall speak into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world. None of them is without significance. Therefore, if I don't know the meaning of the speech, I shall be a barbarian to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a barbarian to me. So seeing that you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. Let him who speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. Otherwise, when you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks, seeing that he doesn't understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I know that some of you have glazed over eyes right now and you're like just waiting for me to get to the end of this passage. I thank my God. It's okay. Sometimes I say out loud what people are thinking in their heads. I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with understanding than by that, that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Brothers, don't be children in your thinking. Rather be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it's written, with the men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. But even then they will not hear me, says the Lord. So tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Have any of you ever read that portion of scripture and gone, what? Because have any of you secretly prayed when you went to church? Oh, I pray that there is nobody that speaks. You bring a friend with you? And you secretly pray to yourself, let there be nobody who speaks in tongues, Lord. Okay, we're going to talk about that. But prophesying does not serve unbelievers, but believers. Therefore, if the whole church assembles in one place and all speak with tongues, and those who are unlearned or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy and there comes in one who does not believe or one unlearned, he is convicted by all, he is convinced by all and judged by all. Thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Okay, 
So for a very long time, I would read this scripture and think, I don't know, like I'd get to that part of my devotionals and go, okay, we're going to speed read that chapter. Praise the Lord. God is here. Let's go on to the love chapter. Like, you know, you just want to go on to something a little bit easier because what does this chapter mean? And I think this is one of these examples of of, uh, scripture that we actually have to just take line on line. So I first want to talk for a minute about the issue of tongues um, because I think it's both underserved in the church. I don't think we talk about it enough. And then it's misunderstood. Um, and this, this scripture has a lot to say about it. I, I just want to break it down. There's a few things. Um, this scripture clearly tells us that the gift of tongues is an important part of our spiritual strengthening. And we know that because Paul says, hey, listen, I desire that you all speak in tongues. Do you notice how he doesn't say, and tongues is for three of you. And if you're lucky, if your number gets called, you get that gift. You can be weird by yourself in a corner. No, he says, my desire for you. Now, now listen, if tongues wasn't for everybody, he, th- that's mean. Can you imagine if I said, and my desire for all of you is to have a Lamborghini. Only one of you is going to get one. Like, that's just mean. You don't say, I desire for all of you to live a great life, but only 4.5% of you are going to live. That's, and Paul wasn't mean. So we know that his desire, when he says, I desire that all of you would speak in tongues, that there is this underlying assumption and philosophical notion there that all of us could speak in tongues. The second thing he says is this, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Okay, so basically what he's saying is, you speak in tongues, great. I am so happy I speak in tongues. Now, he doesn't speak in tongues. That's not a flex. That's not like a, (laughs) you pray a little, I pray more. What, what he's saying there is that tongues has become an important part of his spiritual strengthening. The gift of tongues was not just some fancy pants way of seeming spiritual. It was, there was a purpose behind it. And then he says this in verse 4, uh, he who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. The point of tongues is so that we can strengthen our own spirit man. Um, there's a lot of talk in the business world right now about blind spots, and, and not just in the business world, in any part of the leadership um, genre, it, that we have to know our blind spots. If we don't know our blind spots, and it's funny that they tell us we have to know our blind spots because like, philosophically, if it's a blind spot, you can't know that it's there. Um, but it's true in our spiritual lives that you've got blind spots. You, you actually have things that you don't have the words to pray through. There's things about your character and defects about your nature that you don't even have the words to talk about. There are things about being a Canadian that are quintessentially against the spirit of God. And you don't even know you got it because you just are it. You can't see the trees for the forest. This idea of speaking in tongues is like God gives you the words that you can't know yourself and it edifies you. It strengthens your, your spirit, man. I, I don't know about you, but like a lot of times in my prayer life, have you ever had like, you've got a big plan that you're going to have like a three-hour prayer meeting and you, you get your water infused with lemons <laughs> and you get like a prayer mat or I don't know, like an Afghan thing. and You like get yourself prepared. Some of you that are preparers, you know what I'm talking about. You did this last week. And then you get ready, you turn on your Spotify, and you got all the right playlists going on. And so then you start to pray, 
And then you're expecting it to be powerful. Like God is going to download something that's going to change the world. And then like four minutes, you feel like it's been 45. You look up, it's been four minutes. You ever had that where you just like run out of words? Like there's only so many prayers you can pray for Aunt Ethel. <laughs> or like your grandmother's ailing knees. Like I, we're going to pray for that. But like you just kind of run out of things like what, God, we thank you for every snowflake. And you're considering going outside and looking at all the snowflakes. <laughs> all your grade five science lessons come back to you like, God, I thank you for the cumulus clouds. <laughs> the fall of the Roman Empire. Like we just get into nonsense, Bill, right? And this really is where speaking in tongues helps us because the spirit himself prays through us. Because God's knowledge of what we need to pray for is so much greater than ours. Uh, Jude uh, verse 20 says this, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Jude doesn't have a chapter for those of you. Jude one twenty um, tells us again that the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Spirit, builds ourselves up. Some of you that are, um, well, all of us have weaknesses in certain areas that we keep going back to. And if we're honest, that's very frustrating. That's a very frustrating way to live like this. And sometimes we relegate that only to teenagers. Like teenagers do this, and then when, somehow when you get to adulthood, you, it's not true. This idea of speaking in tongues is a way for us to address those sort of things that we have a hard time getting to. We build ourselves up. Romans 8. 26 through 28 says, we don't know what we should pray for. That's true a lot of the times. But the Holy Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Um, some of you are here and you, um, you're hearing me say this. and you, oh, Not this again. This means that I got to come to the front and like sweat and like nothing will happen. And part of it, if I can just like be really uh, practical with you today. I think some of the teaching we've had on this has made us confused because you come up to the front and you got one person telling you to let go and one person to tell to hang on. And, and then uh, this is very confusing. And then, then like the worship team is like singing a whole bunch of songs. So you don't know, should I sing spirit break? How come I'm not singing in tongues right now? Because we actually think that the Lord is going to come and take control like, I, I think superhero movies have influenced how we think about this. Like, we think there's going to be, like, this moment, and God's going to take control of your mouth. He's not. He never does that, because that would go against his nature. Uh, it, it's a little bit, if I can um, make it akin to the dating scene, okay? So, so, are there a few married people here? Okay, I see those hands. Okay. So now, when you get married, or when you meet the person that you're going to marry, I think sometimes as Christians, we think that, like, you're going to walk into a room, and God's going to go, that is the one for you. <laughs> Some of you are waiting on that. I am here to burst that bubble, tell you that's not going to happen. It, I mean, it could. Could God do that? Yes, but it's not generally how he works. He allows us to, like, have some partnership with him in this, Right? Well, some of us have the same idea with tongues. We think that like we're going to come to the front or we're going to sit at the back and somebody's going to lay hands on us and it's going to be like a jolt of lightning. God's going to take control of our tongue and then we're going to speak in tongues when in fact, 
What happens is more like you're praying and God... Now, by the way, you can't speak in tongues and speak in English at the same time. That's impossible. So, like, if you're singing the song, wonderful, but you're not going to speak in tongues. You're going to sing in English. That's usually how it works, right? You can't speak Chinese and English at the same time. Impossible. Okay, so God's going to take... God will give you the words... And then you're going to speak them out. There, I, I think we've spiritualized this to the point that it's like weird. And then we don't want anything to do with it because it's weird. And who wants to sign up to be weird? Nobody. My kids. So like kids always tell you the truth, right? So my kids, I was talking to them a little bit about speaking in tongues when they were little. And my eight-year-old, who is my twin in his heart, he said to me, Mom, all right, I'm going to pray to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do I have to tell anybody that I do this? <laughs> like, do I have to go to school tomorrow and tell my friends? Like, you know how I tell people about Jesus, Mom? Do I have to tell them about this? <laughs> okay, so it, it doesn't have to be weird. The Holy Spirit's going to give you words to speak, and you're going to speak them. And I'm going to tell you in advance that what you're going to think to yourself is, this is weird. Because you're human. Like, the Bible doesn't give us, it's not a psychological document, right? So it basically is, is a fact document. Like, it's a historical document. So you don't hear, and then the disciples who were there in Acts chapter 2 thought, wow, this is really weird. We feel weird. But you know it was weird because people were asking if they were drunk in the morning, Now, if anybody's ever randomly asked you if you were drunk, like, that's weird if you're not. Now, if you are, that's a good friend, and that's a whole other sermon for another time. (laughs) So there is, like, I think we got to be aware, yeah, 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 the Holy Spirit's going to give you words in your, the same way that he speaks to you in other ways. And that's what we have to square with. Does God speak to us or does God not speak to us? cessationists would tell us that God no longer speaks, that the only way he speaks is through the Bible. Okay, that's, that's the theological positioning of cessationism. God only speaks now to us through his word. Now, I, I, um, I have many friends who are cessationists, and we have really good discussions about this, and if you're a cessationist, I'm happy to talk to you about it. But what my reading of scripture is that God, while well, God does speak to us through his word, we must be people who read his word and understand his word and are grounded in his word. He is a God who still speaks to us. He's a God that will speak to us in words, in, in our own heart. He's a God who will speak to us through scripture. He's a God who will speak to us through visions and dreams. And we know this from the scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, God is always speaking to his people. And uh, this is where this idea of prophecy comes. Um, If all we had, Paul is basically saying, hey, hey, all you church, Corinthian church, you're really excited about the spiritual gifts. Yes, yes. Tongues is awesome. Of course, I want you all to pray in tongues. But I want you even more than that to prophesy. Now, the 90s or the early 2000s hijacked this word, I think. Because essentially... What we told people is that prophecy was another word for Christian fortune-telling. 
And if you if you were ever in a church service like this, like somebody, what it was was like somebody's going to stand up at the front, and they're going to have somebody stand up. You with the gray hat, stand up. I've got a word for you, and it would be about any number of things. And I actually think that made people. It was an excess that made people very uncomfortable, because you got in. I, I've been in services where people stood up, and it got it got into wildness. Like your father abused you? No, he didn't. The Holy Spirit told me he did. You must have been sleeping when that, like, you know, like weird stuff. And I I will say to you, that was weird. And so what happened was people began to read these chapters now about, uh, I desire that you prophesy more. No, no, not me. (laughs) That was for then. I'm living here right now. And it made people do this. And I, I think it made people throw, like, even just all the spiritual gifts out. We'll just be nice, people thought. And nice. And I, that's why I spoke what I spoke this morning, because I don't want you to hear that um, being kind is not part of the Holy Spirit's. It, it is. But we also must be true to Scripture. And Scripture says, I wish that you would all speak in tongues. So God wants that for all of us. And I desire even more that you would prophesy. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what does it mean? to be people who prophesy. What does that mean? I think when you look at scripture, you see that prophecy is this. Prophecy is hearing from God and then communicating what we hear outwards. Prophecy is hearing from God and then communicating what we hear from God outwards. So that this is why I think we've got to square with the fact that God does speak to us, that God can speak to us. Um, so prophecy, with that kind of definition, prophecy it can look different in different contexts. So prophecy can look like praying with a neighbor. You hear God say to you, I want you to go and pray with your neighbor. You go over and you pray with your neighbor. You don't even have to say, the Lord told me to pray with you. You don't have to start it off that way. You just go and pray with them. You heard the Lord say, go pray with them. Go do it. It can look like social justice. So you see an injustice in our nation, you hear the voice of the Lord, and you go do something about it. That is a prophetic act. It can look like an act of kindness. You're at the grocery store, you hear the Lord say to you, pay for the ladies' groceries behind. You don't have to say, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I'm praying for your, like, just pay for the groceries. That's a prophetic act. It can look like, and it can look like a word for people in an assembly. It it could look like that. You hear the voice of the Lord. He says, say this to the church. Okay. So you go ahead and say it. In in our context, particularly in Pentecostal churches, prophecy has looked like only one of those things. It's the lady in your church who sits in the second row, and she always has a word from the Lord each and every Sunday. I'm not saying she doesn't hear from God. She might. But it's sort of... it negated the scripture, like, I wish you all would prophesy. And we kind of snickered to ourselves and go, only Aunt Lillian got that memo, right? <laughs> Do you have an Aunt Lillian? <laughs> Maybe that was a prophecy. <laughs> so, okay, so this is the thing. If we're going to be faithful to scripture, how do we all desire to prophesy? What would it look like if we were all people who prophesied? What is that hinged upon? That we're all like got our badges and I don't know, whatever you get badges in. Like, do you have to have a spiritual bat? No, I, I, I actually think the only hinge 
is that we would decide that we can hear from God. If we can hear from God, we can walk in the prophetic. And you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be somebody that's good at teaching or good on a microphone or can talk in King James English or have a deep, low radio voice. You just have to be somebody who's willing to be obedient. So in some ways, obedience and prophecy converge. So the question that I think we have to ask ourselves is, why don't we hear from God? Not, does God want to speak to me? I think the question we have to ask is, why don't we hear from God? Because I think if we're honest, we can all admit there are seasons of our life where it feels like the heavens are shut and we're not hearing from God. I think there's a few reasons. I think uh, often we, we don't see ourselves as sons and daughters. So we're practical, we're practical agnostics in a lot of ways. Oh, like we might worship and we might like go through the motions, but there's a really big difference between believing that you're a son or daughter. If I didn't talk to my sons and daughters, I would not be a good mother. If my husband didn't talk to them, he would not be a good father. Your father in heaven is a good father. And so because he's a good father, we can be sure that he's always wanting to communicate with us. I think we don't hear from God because we don't expect to. And this is what I call the heresy of sanitizing biblical characters, turning them into demigods. So we hear about Moses, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, Amos, Obadiah. I don't need to go through the list. We hear about all these characters, and then we think to ourselves, yeah, but that was them, and I am me. And that's heresy. When you read the Bible and read the the, uh, characters in the Bible as demigods, You've, you've read something into the text that was never supposed to be there. The biblical characters are like you and I. Except for, on some cases, they were obedient. And that's the only difference. I think um, sometimes we don't hear from God because of unforgiveness. This is a very standard, I think as humans we are so prone to take up offenses that we should not. Let me just speak this to you. Um, 20 years ago, my little brother was killed in a workplace accident. And um, it was family friends of ours that killed him through negligence. I was a pastor by this point in time in my life. And uh, what really got challenged was my theology of forgiveness. Because I didn't feel like forgiving people who killed my brother and then said the devil did it. It seemed so wrong to me. And I wanted to um, believe the rhetoric that, like, I had to, I was going to work. I was going to feel my way into forgiveness. And a few months into that, I realized I was never going to feel like forgiving them. So I just had to, with gritted teeth, say, I forgive you. So there's a whole other, if you're in counseling, you know this, that we got to be really careful that we don't conflate forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness takes one party. Reconciliation takes two. Okay, so forgiveness, so is different. We actually just, and forgiveness just means to let go of somebody and bless them. So I let go of you and I bless you. And sometimes you got to do that with gritted teeth. But if it meant that I wasn't going to hear from God again, I wasn't willing to hold on. And no matter what background you're from, no matter who's done what to you, it's never worth it to hold people. So 
Let's get straight with unforgiveness. Disobedience, when we're disobedient, we don't hear from God. I think um, when we're worried about getting it wrong, too, we don't want to hear because we're worried about getting it wrong. Um, Here's the thing. The research, uh, I I think, listen, I think your generation, I am so excited about what God's going to do through your creativity and through... uh, all kinds of things that you have going on. But what the research shows us, particularly about this generation, is that, um, and I hate to speak it like this, but you're not really good at teachability. So like when your friend says, we, we, and I think probably this is true of every generation, so I don't know if it's really just true of this one. But what we have to get a little bit better at is being, I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm going to listen to the people like Gavin and Kim that go, ha, huh, that was a good try, but you struck out there and we're not going to lose our marbles over that. We're just going to go, okay, I'm learning. Like, I I think if you were to post something on your wall every day, like I'm, I might, I might strike out today. It's okay. I'm just going to be open to hearing that, to being teachable because teachability is what God can work with. The Holy Spirit is able to work through us when we decide, yeah, I'm going to make a mistake. I, I remember being a young pastor and I had this sense like the Holy Spirit wanted to do something in the service. And I remember going to somebody that I was working underneath and I said like very impassioned, like, I think this is what God wants to do. And they just looked at me and said, no, I think you're off. I remember like, you know, the feeling of somebody like, I might die. And then I realized, oh, I wasn't going to die. I was just wrong. Carry on. We got to get a little bit like some of you are. Can I just speak this? You, you can't. You can't walk in the prophetic because you're taking yourself so seriously. Like the idea of walking in the prophetic, hearing what God says, being obedient to what He does. Yeah, it's going to take. You're going to make a few mistakes. Oh well. Nobody was ever like categorically. I've never met anybody like just devastated because somebody made made a mistake as long as you stay teachable it's fixable everything's fixable when you're teachable okay so we remain teachable and and then i think some of it is just like we're not willing to wait so we don't want to hear from god like we gave god 50 i gave you 15 seconds god i didn't hear from you and um I, i think sometimes we don't really know what we're listening for sometimes we're looking for something more dramatic less personal, like more like we're looking for God to give us a Martin Luther King speech. And really what he wants to say is get to class on time. (laughs) All the professors, they're not here. That was for them. Uh, Okay. So, so what, how how do we, how do we, um, so how do we actually do that? I think it's really easy. We ask and we look, we ask and we look. We ask and we look. God, what are you saying today? We ask and we look. And this is where that gift of tongues, when you don't know what to ask for anymore, we pray and we look. Praying in tongues has revolutionized the way that I pray. When I get stuck, I just pray in tongues. And it's sometimes in moments like that that I like, have these uh, revelations that I could not have come to on my own strength. But it doesn't mean that I just stop at tongues so that I can say I'm very spiritual and I pray in tongues for two hours. Like Paul basically said, who cares? 
who cares if you pray in tongues for two? If you're not going to do anything about it, what's the point? So the, the pairing of both tongues and prophecy must come so that we are inwardly being strengthened and outwardly we're building people up. That's the point. And if people will see that your tongues is actually tied to something that's real, this is where tongues is a sign for the unbelievers. So when my parents got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues, my mom's from a large family, 16 brothers and sisters. And their lives became so radically transformed. All of her brothers and sisters was like, what is going on with you? What is happening? And they said, oh, listen, we got filled with the Holy Spirit. This became a sign to my unbelieving family. But it wasn't just because they could speak in tongues. It was because the tongues actually began to transform them from the inside out and allowed them to walk in the gift of prophecy, hear what God was saying, be obedient to what God was saying. These two things are tied together. When Paul talks about them in this chapter, they're they're tied, they're inexplicably tied together. You cannot just say, I am going to be, well, I've got to get credentials, Jess, so I'm going to speak in tongues. Well, like prophecy, that's weird. I'm not doing that. Theologically, they're tied together. We speak in tongues so that we can hear the voice of God and do what he says. So um, the altar call this afternoon, we're just going to ask the band to come. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for some of you that have never received the gift the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. I believe God wants to fill you. Just like Pastor Gavin said today, he's a good God. He wants to give you that gift. I don't think you've got to sweat your way into it. You don't have to be like, here's all my wares, God. I have read the book of Deuteronomy four times. Fill me. God is here. He wants to fill you. But I, but I will reiterate to you, I, I think that we ask him. And then we listen for the, voice, the words that he's going to give us. And you might sound like you're going to say to yourself, that sounds weird. Yeah. Oh, well, just keep at it. Like a toddler who learns how to walk. You just... Uh, I, this is not in scripture, but my parents always talk about it. They just practice. They practice with us all the time. Just like, like it doesn't say practice praying, but we actually have to practice praying, right? Like we know that. Like if you're, if you're going to have a prayer life, you practice it and you stink at first and like you're halting in your words and then unfortunately from some of us we become better at the we become like professional prayers and some of you are professional prayers now you know how to pray you didn't though five or seven years ago but you do now so we practice you won't be great at tongues at first you'll be like how could i do this for an hour i am tired it's okay just keep at it i believe the lord wants to fill you though it's not supernatural it's just in his word so if you're here today you say yeah I I want that gift I I want that gift maybe you'd be like my mom and say I know I got that gift she was like the Beyonce of the 80s (laughs) I got it but in some ways that was like a declaration of faith that I know God wants to give this to me some of you already speak in tongues here today and so I I would encourage you to exercise that gift to exercise it Maybe you need to save yourself every day. I've had lots of young people say to me, well, I got filled at youth camp, and then I never used the gift after that. Maybe like getting a really good present for Christmas and then never really opening it up. So I want to encourage you to open it up, take it out of the box, use it every day. 
And then pair that. Listen, so you've got the gift of tongues. Great. I'm glad you all speak in tongues. I pray that you all speak in tongues. But then we have to say, God, would you speak to me so that I can, so that I can walk in that gift of prophecy? However that looks like for me. For some of you, it might be on a mic speaking truth to people. You're going to hear the voice of the Lord. You're going to speak it out. Wonderful. If that's your gift, do that. For some of you, it might be sitting in a counseling office. You got like a really hard case and you're hearing the voice of the Lord and you're going to be obedient then to speak what God says to you. I just know God wants to use us. He wants us to not, the church is not a form of humanism. It's not like we're going to try really hard till we get better. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why he gave them to us, because we need them. There is not one of you here. I just uh, burst this balloon. There's not one of you here good enough to take on the world by yourself. You will fail spectacularly by yourself. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we can see what the book of Acts saw. We can be the church that God has called us to be. He will be there for us. So would you just stand with me? You're here. You want to be filled with the you want to be filled with the gift of tongues. I'm just going to ask you to stretch your hands to heaven. Yep, yep, yep. So God, I, I, you see all the hands that are here. I thank you for your word that that shows us that when people weren't filled with the Holy Spirit, that you just came to them and you filled them. And so. Lord, I pray that you would fill every person's desiring today. Would you give them a heavenly language so that they could build up their spirit men? Would you give them that heavenly language so that they uh, so that they could learn what it means to trust you? God, for the person that's been asking you for a while and it feels like it hasn't happened, God, I just pray that you give them courage now to speak the words that you're going to put into their hearts. Put into their minds. Give them courage now to speak. If you speak in tongues, would you just would you just do that now? Lord, I thank you that your will is that we would all have this gift. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would be faithful like I know you have been to fill people. And now, God, for all of us, I pray that we would eagerly desire to prophesy. That we would eagerly desire to hear what you're saying and then to be obedient. Give us ears to hear God. If there are areas in our life that we have been held back from hearing you, I pray that you would help us to deal with those things now. May we be obedient to your spirit and to your voice. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If, if you if you haven't been filled before, just so don't, I'm going to just speak this word to you. Don't wait to be like jolted. Just begin to speak out in faith. God's going to give you the words. Be encouraged today that he is a good God, that if you ask him, for an egg that he won't give you a stone he's not giving you a snake he's going to give you every good thing that you need so worship team just leads us if you're looking to be filled with the gift of tongues today i just encourage you to keep praying as god puts words in your mouth that you just begin to speak them out you cannot speak in english and speak in tongues at the same time right the worship team is going to just lead us in some songs you just press into the presence of god he's here you're here. It's snowing outside. There's nowhere to go. Jesus is here.
Spirit, break out.